0: So, today we're going to start in a little bit in Ezekiel. But uh, if you look in your bulletin, um, there's a note sheet. I don't always put them in there, sometimes it's blank space. Uh, There's four questions that we're going to ask, and then six action steps. And the focus this morning is fallen from heaven what you need to know about Satan. There's a lot of misinformation out there and it's important for us to understand it and and to biblically be able to wrap our minds around it a little bit. So we're gonna ask the four questions that are listed in your bulletin and then uh, the action steps, there's blanks to fill out. And, And listen, if this is gonna stress you out, if you're gonna be worried about missing a blank, please, if you miss a blank, and the sermon's still going on, don't turn to the person next to you and say, well, what, what was that blank? Just just let it go. Okay? Um, we, we can make a note sheet for you with a little more detail if you would like that. You can, again, uh, talk to Megan about that. Get your name on a list, and we'll get that emailed out or, or printed out for you. Um, but the first question is, is he real? Is Satan real? Well, if by Satan you mean the person the Bible describes, then yes, he's real. If by Satan you mean the little guy in the red suit with a tail and a pitchfork, no. If you mean by Satan, a guy who's supposed to rule in hell, no. Those aren't real. But Satan as described in the Bible is very real. He's mentioned throughout the Old Testament, especially in the book of Job. Jesus had a face-to-face conversation with him, and it's recorded in Matthew and Mark and Luke. He has different names that he's called in the scriptures. Sometimes the serpent, the dragon, a roaring lion, the devil, the adversary, the false accuser, Beelzebub or Beelzebul, Abaddon, Apollyon, Belial, the tempter. The wicked one, the father of lies, the ruler of this world, the God of this age, the prince of the power of the air. He appears as an angel of light, but really he's the ruler of the darkness of this age. He is called a liar, a deceiver, and a murderer. Satan is real. He's a spiritual being. We could call him a person in the way we could call God a person, uh, the the personhood of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Spirit. Satan is a person in the sense of he has personality, he has individual characteristics. He's not a person in the sense that he has a body like we do. He's a spiritual being. So, question number two is, where did he come from? Don't you wish there was a verse that we could look at and it would say, here's the exact origin of Satan. Did you know most of the time when you want a proof text in Scripture, it's not there. What we have to do in Scripture is take pieces and parts taught in different places and then pull them together. If God wanted us to have this narrow construct, He could have done it. He could have given you, here's the 17 steps to sanctification. Boom, 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 boom. He didn't do that. We have to figure it out. We have to pray. We have to discern. And we have to seek His face. And honestly... It's better, spiritually, it's better that he didn't give us all the boxes filled in. Because it's called living by faith because it requires faith. It wouldn't be faith if we had all the answers. But it's faith that we have in God and in his word. And so where did he come from? The Bible clearly says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. When did he create the angels? It doesn't say. On what day did he create people? Day six. So, somewhere in creation week, God created the heavens, including his heaven, and the heavenly beings that are there. Because Satan was created by God, he has all the limitations of those who are created. He can only be in one place at one time. In the book of Job, when God talks to Satan and God says, where have you been? Which God already knows, but he asks questions so that we can answer and connect with him, just like he did in the garden with Adam and Eve. He said, where are you? He knew where they were. He wanted them to recognize where they were. And so he said, Satan, where have you been? And Satan says, I've been going to and fro upon the earth. He can't go everywhere like God can. He can move fast, rapidly, but he can't be everywhere. He's limited to be in only one time and only one place. He also does not know the future. He knows what's revealed in God's word because that's revealed but he doesn't know what's not revealed. He does not know your heart. He's a good judge of human character. He's been watching humans for 6,000 years. He understands humanity. He can see your pupils dilate. He can see you get goosebumps. He can see your interest in certain things, but he can't see your heart. He can't read your mind, and he does not have power over God. He does not. And so we're going to look in Ezekiel 28 and we're going to look in Isaiah 14 and later we're going to look in Ephesians uh, and just see how do we deal with where did he come from? Now, we're going to look in Ezekiel 28 and Isaiah 14 and I believe these describe the origin of Satan. There are good people that I love and that I respect who disagree with me. I disagree with them too. Uh, this talks about certain people. It mentions, like in Ezekiel 28, it mentions the king of Tyre. It was, a, back in the old days, kings had cities. And, and every city could have its own king. And then nations developed more. So Tyre was really just a big city with a king. And, uh, and, but it, the, the king of Tyre was empowered by Satan. And the description that God uses... In Ezekiel 28 and in Isaiah 14, speak about more than just a man. And, and let's look at it. You'll see for yourself. This can't just be speaking about a person. In uh, Ezekiel 28, verse 11, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to be saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre and say to him, Thus says the Lord God. You were the seal of perfection. Okay, which human beings could that describe? The seal of perfection. Adam and Eve before the fall. After that, none. Full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden. Was the king of Tyre in Eden? The garden of God? No, but Satan was who inspired the serpent, and Satan who inspired the king of Tyre. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. The sardis, topaz, and diamond, beryl, onyx, and jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and emerald with gold, the workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. So he's speaking to a being that was created when God created the heavens and the earth. Was the king of Tyre created in that way? No. He's a creation of God because God superintends the biological process that took place between Adam and Eve and eventually the parents of the king of Tyre. And that process down through that, God superintends that. But let me tell you, you were not created uniquely, individually, by a miraculous creation of God. He used the natural laws of biology to bring your life. He created your soul, but he's talking about the whole being created, Uh, majestic beautiful. Uh, It's interesting when we get to Isaiah, he's called Lucifer or the day star or light of the morning. Imagine what light would do shining off all these precious stones. Sardis, topaz, diamond, beryl, onyx, jasper, sapphire, turquoise, emerald with gold. Imagine the shimmering light. No wonder he was called the day star, the bright star. Jesus himself is the bright and morning star. But, but Satan was the brightest of all of created beings. Verse 14. You were the anointed cherub who covers. The one who was above the throne. The anointed cherub. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of the stones. You were perfect in your ways. From the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. Since Adam and Eve, there's never been a person we could say was perfect. We couldn't say that. In the days of Adam and Eve, there were two perfect people till iniquity was found in them. But you, you were born with a sinful nature. If you don't believe in a sinful nature, you need to spend time in a nursery with children. We'll loan you a few grandchildren for the day. Of course, you know, they get Kathy's blood and mine. So they're they're a little better because of her and a little not because of me. But no being was perfect in creation, no human being other than Adam and Eve. So he's speaking of something bigger, more majestic, longer lasting. Satan's an eternal being. And that means, you know, we often forget you're an eternal being too. From the day your life began at conception, you're alive. You will be forever. You're going to live forever somewhere. Hopefully heaven if you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. But Satan from the beginning of creation has been alive and always will. He's an eternal being. Now turn over to Isaiah chapter 14, please. Isaiah 14. In Luke chapter uh, 10 and verse 18 Jesus said, I beheld Satan fall as lightning from heaven. He, He witnessed the fall of Satan. And now here in Luke chapter, I'm sorry, Isaiah chapter 14 Lucifer verse number 12, how are you fallen from heaven? O oh, Lucifer, or O oh, day star, O oh, bright star, sun of the morning, how are you cut down to the ground? You who weaken the nations, for you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars or all the other angels of God. I will also sit in the mount of the congregation. He wants to take God's place. "...on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit, down to hell, the place of the departed dead." Satan was a heavenly being, probably, an angel of light. He now still masquerades as an angel of light but he's not one anymore. He rebelled against God. He wanted to overthrow God. He wanted to be in charge. All right, now stop there for just a moment. Stop thinking about Satan. Start thinking about you. Has there been a time in 2019, so far this year, don't answer, don't raise your hands, don't, it's not something you need to confess to our group or to me, but to God. Has there been a time when you have done something you knew was wrong? When you have not done something you knew you should do? Guess who you were acting like? Satan knew his place. He was created by God to worship God. He knew his place and he said, I'm not going to follow God's plan. I'm going to make my own plan and I'm going to try and overthrow God. And uh, Revelation 12 indicates a third of the angels rebelled with him. Since God said on day six of creation, all of creation was very good, including Satan, who was created, who was still called Lucifer, the bright star, even that being was still good on day six. God said all of creation was very good. He didn't say everything's good except for the millions and billions of years of death and dying under planet Earth. No, he said it's all very good, all in his week of creation including the angelic beings that he created. Now, Job teaches that Satan roams about on the earth, seeking to hurt and cause harm, and he has limited access to God. He can show up in heaven and, and present himself before God. Someday, eventually, Revelation 12, he's going to be thrown out of heaven for good. Uh, his access will be terminated and He and his demons, the fallen angels who went with him, will all be thrown into the lake of fire. He is not going to rule and reign in hell. He is going to suffer in the lake of fire. So, the third question. What power does he have and how could he affect your life? Okay? Satan is powerful. He is powerful. Listen to some of the things he did. Okay, I'm going to go through these quickly. In Job, he stirred the Sabians and Chaldeans to attack Job. They murdered many of Job's servants took away all of his oxen, donkeys, and camels. He also caused fire to come down from the sky and burn up all the sheep and all the servants with the sheep except for one. He caused a tornado to destroy the house that Job's ten kids were in, and the house was destroyed as the four corners of the house were beat by the wind, and it collapsed, and they were all killed instantly. In chapter 2 of Job, he caused Job's body to break out in boils from head to toe. One angel killed 185,000 trained military soldiers in one night. We looked at that just recently in the book of Isaiah. And yet, Satan was probably the most powerful of all the angels. He was the most majestic, the one closest to the throne of God. Jude says that even Michael, the archangel, does not treat Satan lightly. He chooses to call on the Lord to rebuke Satan rather than to do it himself. In Genesis 3, Satan used the serpent to influence Eve, which directly led to our fall into sin. In Genesis 4, he influenced Cain to murder Abel. Uh, uh, 1 John 3.12 says that Cain was of the wicked one. He was influenced strongly by Satan when he killed Abel. Satan caused Jesus to have a vision of all the kingdoms of the earth passing before him so he can make you see things. Matthew 13, 9, uh, Mark 4, 12, Luke 8, 12, um, he's called the evil one, Satan and the devil. And it says he can snatch the word of God out of people's hearts so they will not listen to the message. So right now, during this message, Satan and his demons are trying to distract you to snatch the Word of God out of your life so that you will not submit to and follow God. In Acts 5, Peter accused Satan of putting thoughts into the heads of Ananias and Sapphira. And that eventually they lied to the Holy Spirit because of it and it led to their death. Satan could put thoughts in your head. The scriptures record that Satan has the capacity to distract, to deceive, to devour, to destroy. So now we get some action steps. Number one, don't be afraid. How should you respond to the reality of Satan? I like this picture. The guy looks like he's running in fear. How should you respond? Don't be afraid. Most of the time, when the Lord or an angel appeared, the, they began the conversation by saying, Fear not. Don't be afraid. Listen to this. When John wrote about Satan and the Antichrist, who would partner together, he says in John 4, 4, 1 John 4, 4, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because in you, who, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. The Holy Spirit of God in you is greater than the power of Satan. So remember the book of Job? Uh, Job wanted to attack, or uh, Satan wanted to attack Job, and he had to get God's permission to do it. Satan has power, but it's limited. Don't be afraid. Don't live in fear. Secondly, you must remind yourself that God rules completely and permanently. Now, I'm going to say something. I I encourage you to write this down. It's not in your notes there. I encourage you to write this down. As I was praying through this message this week, this really hit me. Uh, I just felt the Holy Spirit stirring my heart. This was critically important. Satan... Is at war against God. But God is not at war against Satan. It's not a big spiritual battle where God and Satan are fighting and God's going to finally win the day. God is not at war against Satan. God is in control, He rules completely and permanently. In fact, when Revelation 12 describes Satan's final banishment from heaven, no access ever again, uh, God doesn't throw him out. The other angels throw him out. God is tolerating Satan for a time and for a purpose known only to God. But God is in control. In judgment day, in the judgment day, God will take Satan and all of those demons, the fallen angels who followed him, and he's going to cast them all into the lake of fire forever. That will be their final judgment. Satan does not rule in hell. When the final judgment comes, he's cast into the fire and tormented and alone with no authority and no hope. So, don't be afraid. God's in control. It feels like Satan's in control. Some of the things that are done in our court system, some of the things that are done in our school systems, some of the things that are done in our political systems, it seems like Satan's in control. He's not. Remember, he masquerades as an angel of light. Paul told the church in Corinth, he's also masquerading as being in charge. He's not. All right. Your third action step is to guard your heart and mind. He can put thoughts in your head. Second Corinthians 10.5 then says, you can bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So you can, he can put that thought in there and you can make it not stick. How many of you have non-stick pans? When they work, they're great, aren't they? Yet, I had never heard of nonstick pans. Kathy and I got married, and her mom bought us some dishes, and we entertained a bunch of people one night. What do you have, 14 people in our little apartment? I don't remember. Uh, We had a pile of dishes, and I talked her into going to bed and just leaving the dishes till the morning, and we'd get them in the morning. And so I waited till she was asleep, and I tiptoed out and shut the bedroom door and slipped out into the kitchen, and I washed all the dishes. And I had this pan. I mean, it was stuck. I had to work and work and work. I had to take a Brillo pad. I had to scrub that thing. Kathy walks out in the kitchen in the morning and says, thanks for doing the dishes. (gasps) What'd you do to the pan? And I said, I scrubbed it. Man, that stuff was really stuck. It had Teflon coating. And it it was shiny silver in the morning. (laughs) and she said oh lord this is going to be a long marriage (laughs) no she didn't but she taught me about uh, teflon pans but guess what listen satan can put thoughts in there but you control whether they stick or not you can submit your thoughts to the obedience of christ Philippians 4.8 says you can choose to meditate on things that are true and noble and just and pure and lovely and of good report. Guard your heart and mind. Proverbs says guard your heart out of it are the issues of life. And that word guard means to do it like a sentinel, like you're uh, on guard duty. You're going to keep your heart. You're going to guard your heart. Action step number four, learn, study, and meditate on the Word of God, not just at church. If the only Bible you read is in church, when we say open your Bibles and read, you're missing out on a lot of growth God wants for you. Hebrews 4.12 says, The Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the dividing of soul and spirit and of joints and the marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So you can study the word of God and it's discerning your thoughts and you can realize, hey, that thought is not true and noble and just and pure and lovely. So I'm going to remove that thought and I'm going to bring my thoughts into captivity of Christ. You have that capacity, but it requires you to learn the word of God so you can discern the thoughts and intents of the heart. The scripture will guide you always on the right path. You you can memorize and meditate on the word of God and overcome the temptations from Satan and from our society. Action step number five, I want you to turn please to Ephesians chapter six. Action step number five, put on the whole armor of God. I know this is kind of a silly picture, and I doubt if the Roman's breastplate was actually custom-fitted like that. Uh, But most of the pictures just show him standing there, and this one looks like he's ready to do battle. And what's in his hand, in his right hand? The sword. The sword of the Spirit, the Scripture calls it. Look in uh, Ephesians chapter 6. I'm going to start reading in verse 10. Finally, my brethren... Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. All of his schemes, you can stand strong against them. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We have Christians attacking people. We we don't wrestle against people. Every person out there is somebody for whom Christ died. We are to be a conduit of God's love and grace to those people and not attack them. Now, if somebody attacks you, you can defend yourself. But these Christians who march and protest and scream and holler, yes, we should maybe protest some things sometimes. But we need to remember that we have an obligation to represent Christ to those people who hate us and our lifestyle. They need his love and grace. So our real wrestling is against Satan, against principalities, it says. uh, Against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age. Uh, Remember the, the king of Tyre? It was actually addressing Satan. It was the satanic influence on the king of Tyre that caused the problems there. So he says, therefore, verse 13, take up the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. And then Paul goes and describes the different things of the armor that we can take on and put on and really follow God. But you can be strong in the Lord. Uh, The front of your bulletin has a verse, James 4, 7. Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. We have an illustration of that in Scripture. After 40 days of testing, Jesus strongly rebuked and rejected Satan. And what happened? The devil fled. He came back, but he fled away for a time. Satan is already defeated by Christ. He can be defeated in your life if you will yield to and walk with the Holy Spirit. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. We are in a battle. We are in a spiritual warfare. But we're on the winning side. Put on the whole armor of God. Take on the power of Christ in your life. Walk with the Holy Spirit of God. Learn the Word of God. And action step number six. Don't blame Satan for your own sinful choices. I like that picture. Please stay behind this line of the person stepping over the line. Satan and the demons who have fallen from heaven, they can and will seek to influence you. But you are responsible for your own heart. Some of you old-timers, but you'll remember Flip Wilson. Who did Flip Wilson blame his trouble on? The yeah, the devil made me do it, he used to say. It was funny. It brought some laughs. It was not true. James 1.14 said, Each one is tempted when he is drawn away of his own desires and enticed. When you fall into sin, it's not because the devil made you do it. It's because you didn't guard your heart. You didn't resist the devil so he would flee from you. We have the capacity to live for God. We don't have to live in fear. We can trust and follow him. So, ask Jim to come and... uh, Lead us, and we'll all sing it together. Guide me, O thou great Jehovah.